Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today I wanted to talk about something that I feel like has been like rattling around in my brain for a while recently. Um, and it's this observation I've been having about my own experience where I, time and time again, I find myself really wrestling or struggling with uh, like a choice I need to make in my business. And um, ultimately, when I kind of come out of it and, and am settled on a solution, when I can look back and I kind of get this feeling that a lot of why it was such a difficult choice or why it was such a difficult decision is coming from, in some ways, tr- continuing to treat my business, even though it's like 12 years old at this point, uh, like it's a hobby project. And I'm doing that largely because that's how it started. Like it started as a side project. It started as something that I did, um, you know, on the side of my, you know, my, my other work. And I think that in some ways instilled a lot of bad habits or a lot of tricky sort of like mental gymnastics that I continue to go through now, um, around how I treat the business, around how I make decisions or how I make choices. And it's a dangerous thing, I think. And I think it's held me back from a lot of choices over the years that I can sort of point to where I feel like in some ways it's like, oh, this is like the indie way and I'm like doing it the indie way. And it's like, we can kind of, you know, sort of tap, you know, sort of pat each other on the back and be like, yeah, we're indies, we're different. Um, but then sometimes that difference is actually just where like, like making poor choices and making them sound like they're, they're cool. Um, and this was crystallized. And like I said, it's been bouncing around in my brain for a while recently. And I feel like it crystallized in a weird way for me with a, a comment that Joe Chaplinsky, um, one of the hosts of the release notes podcast, which is also excellent. If you like under the radar, you'll love release notes. I'd recommend it. Um, but Joe was saying something that I think was just like in a slightly sort of slightly pokey way, um, that he's, he's, he's somewhat known for. Um, he was talking about the sort of the app privacy badges and, uh, there was a sort of a, in some ways, there are people who kind of, I feel like have been in our, in the indie community, been viewing the sort of like, I collect no data um, as a badge of honor, that they want to go into their app privacy, and they want to be able to say like, no data collected, look at me, aren't I awesome? Um, and I just love what he said, it's like, no data collected is probably means that you're not running a real business. It's not a badge of honor, it's a signal that this is a side project. And it's a little harsh, it's a little rough, mm. but I think what he was saying, it's like, it spoke to me and like, I mean, it's like, whatever, it's like, it's like for me personally, when I read this, it's like, huh, I wonder if I'm treating my projects as side projects because so often that is the kind of the view that I have and like, oh man, I wish I could, um, you know, t- uh, sort of check the, the no data collected box. And it's like, why? And it's like, probably because in some ways I still kind of view what I'm doing as a side project, even though it's my main business. It's what I've been doing for 12 years. But just because in some ways it's just me doing it, I think I often just treat it like it's a side project that I'm just like pretending or I'm just like, this is, I'm not treating this like it's an actual, you know, a business making real business choices. Yeah. I think there's, there's an important line to draw between being able to analyze decisions like a business would analyze them and, and, you know how to how to teach yourself to do that when you started indie or you know or you come from a non-business background or you come from a modest background like which is true for you know definitely us um and and you know we find ourselves now running businesses basically but you know you, you have to kind of train yourself to think like a business with certain decisions and and so that's one side of it 
But I think it's important to distinguish between that and the the kind of, you know, less clearly good side or, or the actively bad side of, like, excusing bad behavior with the thinking like, well, it's just business. You know, like, you, I, I think those are two separate things and it's important to draw that distinction. Like, <laughs> there, I was reminded when you were, when you were talking about it, I just pulled up this email. Um, there's this company that uh, they're like an automated um, privacy advocate service and people sign up with them and pay them and then they send like nasty legal threat emails to any service this cut this person has ever claimed to use saying you must delete all information from this person or we will sue you immediately you know these horrible threatening emails and and i've gotten a few of these you know over, over the last few months and it's just automated but every, I, I emailed them i'm like look this is the nature of my service. Here's my privacy policy. I don't collect any of this information that you think I collect. All of the email, like all the all the, th- the threats you've sent me so far, I've had no accounts with that email address because here's how little I use email addresses. <laughs> Can you please reconsider whether I should even be on your list? And I get this response from them that says, <laughs> we hear you. To confirm with absolute certainty, this means zero email marketing slash newsletter lists, zero inbound leads, zero CRM use, zero customer surveys, etc. No Salesforce, HubSpot, ActiveCampaign, MailChimp, Clavio, Marketo, Shopify, Zoho, Qualtrics, Freshworks, Pipedrive, Zendesk, Copper, SharpSpring, Dynamics, Thrive, Infusionsoft, Insightly, GetResponse, Acton, Eloqua, etc. In our experience, most companies have at least some of this info, and if so, no worries, that's just part of business <laughs> and i responded back saying i don't even know what most of those are and no i don't it's not part of my business i don't have any of those things <laughs> i don't even run google analytics on my website which is like that used to be considered like of course you'd run google analytics on every website why would you not run it but no i don't even do that and you know a lot of these things are as you're saying like part of like a you know like a, a smartly run or efficiently run business you would have some of these things but it's important to distinguish between like you like you must have these things or businesses of certain types would benefit from these things. And you can make your business a type of business that doesn't need these things. You know, like a lot of this is in the news now because, uh, you know, the, the ongoing tensions between Apple with their app tracking transparency requirement and companies like Facebook and Google, which, you know, their their entire business models are based on violating people's privacy in kind of creepy ways. And Apple has made their business model mostly not based on that. And so, you know, it's not to say that Apple needs to get into the, like, creepy tracking business just because other businesses in the, in the same area are in that business. They've built their business differently. And I've built my business, you know, similar to that, where, like, I built my business such that I don't need to run all these little analytics things and get get all creepy with people's data and get creepy with my ad system. Like, I've built the business specifically not to do that. And so there are certain things that I need to teach myself, like, think like a business and make this decision like a business. But there's also certain things that the, that the quote, business world considers, like, oh, just part of the game. Yeah, of course you're going to run. Like, it's, it's like, if you, like if you run a weather app, just part of the game might be, yeah, of course you're going to sign up with one of those like location tracking firms that gives you money for creepy people's, you know, for creeping on people's locations. Um, but that's not a given. You don't have to do that. Um, so I think, you know, like going back to Joe's comment, like that, that's that's a good comment. I mean, if you actually have an empty app privacy label, that means you aren't even like collecting things like crash reports and stuff like that, which it's 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 actually pretty hard to make an app that uses 
any web service at all <laughs> without checking some of those boxes or that performs any like you know quality control really because like if you if you're just relying on the crash reports from xcode you're missing a lot um and and, and stuff like that so like there's just it's it's a little it, it, it's a blurry line it's, it's, it's a very blurry area and so much of this is like it depends on your business but i do think that just because businesses do things a certain way does not mean that you should do things that way but at the same time a lot of the things businesses do they do for good reasons and when you find yourself running a business uh, as an indie there are certain things that you should be or or need to be doing uh, that you might not think of or that might feel a little bit unfamiliar or analytical or cold you know like and and you know one example of that like for me like, i'm i'm no saint in this way like i don't answer most support email because i can't i don't have time i don't have the you know attention bandwidth i and i get a lot of support email and i'm very clear in the app about that i've if you talked before a long time ago like i i i sit, i basically say right there in the app that i'm not going to respond <laughs> and that this is more feedback than support um but i still get people who who are upset about that who are angry about that who who think i should respond to them uh i still get a couple of angry one star reviews like every month from from a few angry people that you know oh well um but i've decided that based on my business it's not worth you know the 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 very high cost of having me re- having me respond to these things uh, compared to my business needs. So like there are certain and and that's that's a decision that a lot of indies find offensive or wrong or you have to answer a support email. Well, well, you do you? Um, but I've made that decision basically as a business to say like you know my time is very finite and this use of my time is not worth it is and it's not worth the costs to not only my own you know, personal sanity, but also like that time is then taken away from making the app better for everyone. So like there are certain decisions that I do make in this cold way, but there's also a lot of ways that I've structured my business to avoid the need to do things that, that might be considered like, you know, borderline or creepy or unethical. Sure. And I guess the point I was more, it's like, I, I, I agree with generally certainly what you're saying, but one thing that it's like, I think this is the observation that I was making for myself is I feel like it's the, the part that I'm struggling with and the part that I'm sort of like observing in myself and wanting to grow from is this feeling that if I find myself like in this case, like pointing at something that feels like in any way could be creepy or could be tricky or like I, I have reservations or it's like I have any kind of uh, sort of hesitation about so often my my instinct is to just like not do it or just sort of sort of discount it or or sort of avoid it. Um, I think rather than necessarily going through the place of saying, it's like, why would, it's like, why would I want um, analytics in my applications? Why would I want to include, um, it says, you know, so when I say I'm going through the privacy checklist, it's like, why would I want some of these things? And what am I giving up by doing it and making that a sort of a conscious intentional choice and something that I'm being like thoughtful about rather than I feel like the place that I was coming from so often is this thing of it's like, Oh, that's just like, that's not what Indies do. Um, and it's like, I've found like that's something that I'm telling myself that I don't think is, 
actually helpful or actually sort of like true when I think and it's the funny thing too where like I'm, it's like Apple collects analytics Apple collects all kinds of things like in the main sign up flow of the iPhone you have to, like one of the questions they ask you is like do you want to like share data with Apple and like as far as I can tell from my data it's like 35% of people say yes or whatever and it's like they're collecting all kinds of data I'm sure about people and about their, how, how they behave and what they do and um, it's this funny thought of when I think of like if why you wouldn't have say for example analytics um, in your application is this it's like this it like I'm turning it around in my head and saying it's like you know it, do I not it's like is there no, I can what I'm saying is I can, there is nothing that I can lo- I would learn from my customers by having like more information about them or the app would not be better if I wouldn't know more about them like that's sort of consciously what I'm saying but I'm wrapping it up in something that sounded nice and um, like that was something that I think. To, you know, I was struggling with, and it's like, but at the same time, like I went through and I added. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago. I added analytics to WidgetSmith, and I learned a lot that was really helpful. Like I understood what kind of widgets people um, are using, and I can use that information to make the app better and more useful for them. And but I, I like I struggled with it, and it's this complicated thing. And it's like for a long time I resisted it, and I think I resisted it because it's like. It's almost like I wanted a merit badge that I feel like I like the indie merit. One of the like the indie merit badges is like I like I don't collect any data or I don't do anything like that. And it's like I think I was doing it for the wrong reason. And that ended up being the thing that bit me. And it's like I think it's like certainly I think we're both very much in agreement about like avoiding it's like we don't we don't want to do shady things or do things just because like it's business. But I think there's a I've I have increasingly been realizing that I have more to learn from traditional um, sort of like classic businesses than I give them credit for. And while there are benefits about being an independent and being small, and there's sort of advantages I have from that, it's so easy for me to discount kind of the more traditional business side file. And it's like, this is something that I've noticed. I mean, and this, it's this, I've applied in some funny way. It's like the same thing. Like if you have like, de- like the best, when some is sort of some of the best ways to deal with um, diversity and inclusion is to, familiarize yourself with people with more diverse views um, than yourself. And this is, you know, sort of in, uh, in, 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 in a variety of areas. And it's like something that I've found myself doing recently is it's like subscribing to more traditional business blogs and following people on Twitter who are more traditional, um, like business and app store optimization and, um, advertising and analytics people and trying to understand that world better. Um, and it's like, I'm the better for it, that I feel like I have a better sense of how things work. And it's like in that there are sometimes things that I see and I'm like, Ooh, no, that that's not for me. And it's like, but that's cool. That's a choice that I'm able to make. Whereas if I don't even expose myself to those things, like I'm, uh, like at a, just, just sort of hum, humming along doing my own little, like, this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing things the indie way. Um, like I'm just finding myself realizing it's like, that's, this isn't helpful. This isn't probably actually good for my business or for myself. We are brought to you by Pingdom. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website has gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that buy now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by just checking randomly or by luck, but that's not good. You need a real system. You need something to tell you that everything's running smoothly on your site and, more importantly, when it's not. That is Pingdom. You need Pingdom to help you with this. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. They keep your sites and the sites you love online and fast. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. 
you need alerts about any critical website issues. They'll let you know, they'll let you customize how you get alerted depending on the severity of an outage, and they'll track and analyze your website's load time constantly from all the all over around the world, so you can see what's affecting the user experience. I've personally used Pingdom for a long time now, I think almost a decade, and and I've, I've used it to watch all my services and all my sites, and it's just wonderful. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom, and they have a no-fuss approach to getting started. All you need is a URL you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest go to pingdom.com slash relay fm right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required then when you sign up use the code radar at checkout to get a huge 30 percent off your first invoice thanks to pingdom for their support of this show and relay fm yeah i, I think it's it's interesting like you know to, to look at certain things as a business you know and and to use that frame of mind i mean Certain, certain kind of like, you know, in, you mentioned like the indie merit badge aspect of the, of having like as small a privacy label as possible. But I think a lot of the, a lot of this is just kind of, you know, it's like virtue competition, but I don't think most users care, uh, to a large degree. I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, Facebook, that's, that's one thing. Um, and if, but if like, if you have a privacy label that's, you know, basically analytics and crash reports versus, a totally empty one. I'm not sure that distinction is really buying you a lot of user goodwill. Um, you know, user expectations change over time of, about what kind of privacy is acceptable and what isn't. Uh, right now, I think by today's standards, I don't think any user would care about things like automated crash report reporting uh, to you know up to back to the developer um, about basic analytics of like what features are being used. But there was a time not that long ago, maybe ten years ago, that if like a desktop app was quote phoning home to its to its manufacturer to its author every time you launched it or every time you did something that was considered like a really you know scandalous thing like that was really bad because people did not expect that back 10 20 years ago but now it's considered almost routine like of course of course apps will ping back to their to their developer servers on a regular basis for some reason like that's that's now considered widely acceptable by almost everybody and so you know whatever whatever that you know overzoom window is like whatever whatever is acceptable of the at the time if that can provide real utility to your business and it doesn't really do any significant harm to anybody then you probably should be doing it you know and and that's not to say that every business would benefit from that from that sort of thing you know but i, I think it's it's important to recognize when you have one that will and if it's something that like almost all businesses would benefit from you got to really look at that analytically and think like am i just avoiding this because i you know i have some outdated view of this maybe or i personally wouldn't do it like you know email mailing lists are a good example i don't do email mailing lists i should probably by all by all measures i really should i don't because i don't like them but but like a lot of customers not only don't care but like them <laughs> and yeah. and there are certain like and i i can see myself like certain companies i do sign up for their mailing list because i do want to know when they release new stuff <laughs> and but and it's just this thing that like i've i've avoided because i don't want to do it and i i don't like mailing lists like theoretically but in practice i should probably be doing that because it's it's a good way to reach your customers who opt in and who actually want to hear from you <laughs> yeah and i think this is something too that i've and was noticing myself is this sense of like it is so easy, like the voices that I actually hear on a regular basis are, are like, it's like around my work are like the people I follow on Twitter and the blogs I read and things. And 
they're not my customers and they're not my pe- like the people who are actually using my application by and large. Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm, my apps have much wider and broader uh, sort of use use than that. And I think it definitely colors um, like I'm, I'm taking the experiences or the tastes or the preferences of this very narrow group and it kind of extrapolating it to everyone. And I think about how like, you know, it's, you know, I, I struggled for a while. You know, it's like whether I should have advertising in my apps. And, and it's one of those things that's kind of funny where like at the same, t- like if I look at my apps and I think of the, like you look at the analytics and there are, you know, thousands of people who click on the ads and i'm sure maybe some of those are unintentional but hopefully and i think generally like the majority of those people are clicking on an ad because they found it useful or interesting or included something or if they don't click on the ad and they just don't care that it's there like i added ads to widget smith a few weeks ago and i was bracing for like blowback or people would be a grumpy and like no one said anything (laughs) nobody noticed i think i had a few comments of people which just had the sort of to the extent of it's like were ads always here because I don't know if they were. Were they there? Like they, their expectation was that, of course, there would be an ad in Widget Smith. But they're like, did they just like not get the, you know, like my, I just wasn't getting a high enough fill rate, and they just never saw an ad before. Like that was the impression they were coming from, and it was entirely um, like sort of neutral to positive. Um, whereas in my mind, it was going to be this like, oh no, I'm like, you know muddying the waters and it's going to be this this big negative thing and it's like no my users either didn't care or it's a positive to them um but like in the world where it's like but it's like i had just so warped my world view around what my users might expect by the voices that i was exp- like sort of day in and day out um listening to that it's like i'd been in some ways like neglecting a business opportunity for a long time that there had, there should have been ads in Widgetsmith and there weren't. And it wasn't because, um, it wasn't really necessarily even benefiting my users. It was like benef- benefiting this, uh, like this imagined other, uh, sort of, I don't, I don't even know this, this expectation that I was putting on myself that I feel felt like the world was putting on me, but didn't actually care about. Yeah, I, I had a similar example <laughs> when, when I oh, I've gone through ads in Overcast, of course, and I also dreaded when I activated them, and also nobody cared. Um, even when I had like the crappy Google ads, like nobody cared at all. I, I cared more than anyone else did. <laughs> um, but even like like when I made the current Overcast ad system, where it's it's little ads that, that promote podcasts. The initially, I just set the prices kind of arbitrarily based on like whatever I thought a click was worth and, and whatever I thought a, a new subscriber on average would be worth to somebody. And they, they just sold out instantly and they were constantly sold out. And, and I, I was like, I, I kind of, I started like raising certain prices cause they were just constantly sold out. And, and it was, it was getting to the point where it was uncomfortable because I was like, I, I'm, I was raising it so high on certain categories. I'm like, this, this is going to end up being like, you know, two or $3 per subscriber or whatever. And I was like, that's that seems like it's not worth it who would buy that but then people kept buying them and so i eventually shifted it to a system where i removed all emotion from the system and i made it automated pricing so that every time someone buys an ad in a slot the price raises the net for the next uh purchase in that slot by like 15 percent and then if a slot stays unsold for a couple days it drops by 15 percent, something like that so pricing became totally automated. Availability also then became totally automated because I was like, how many slots should I sell? And eventually I made a system so that like, okay, if if you know there's no unsold slots in this category for like 30 days straight, increase the number of slots by 10% or something like, something like that. And then, and you know, similar for contracting the slots if, if too many are sitting unsold. And by making those things automated, 
prices went to wherever the market wanted them to go and have stayed there. And I think I think after the first month, I was making like two or three times as much from the ad system wow. because I had this concept of what these ads are are worth and and what they what they're not worth. Um, because I'm like, if I was buying an ad, this is how much I would value a, subscri- a subscriber to a podcast. Um, but the market has different thoughts. And and there are many people out there, it turns out, who are willing to pay more than I am per subscriber. And yeah. by by not treating it like you know analytical business thinking, by instead being like, well, I don't know if I want to charge this much, I was significantly missing out on significant money. And once I automated it and made it just remove all emotion and perception from the process and just let the market decide what these things are worth it was a massive win for me and and you know not everybody has opportunities uh, to make decisions you know analytically like or, or algorithmically like that in your business but it is really useful to think about like removing emotion from from certain you know perceptions or valuations or decisions again in a way that like i'm not hurting anybody by doing this because if people don't want to pay these prices they will automatically lower themselves over time <laughs> and yeah. and sometimes that happens and then it corrects itself and then it goes back up later you know like but that's just you know it by removing the emotion of the indie developer from this business decision resulted in significantly more income and no one complained like it it seemed to hurt nobody and everyone gets what they want because the, pe- the people who are willing to pay more typically have more available uh, ad slots to them and that's that's fine. Like it, it, you know, it hurts people who can't pay that much. But that's kind of you know, it, it, ugh, again, part of business thinking. I kind of have to look at that and be like, well, that's actually not my problem right now. Like my problem is I have a certain amount of inventory. I can't increase the inventory too much because I don't have that many like impressions to sell. Like my app is only so big, um, and so you know, that's just again, I can look at that and say, well, it's just business. Here's what the slots are selling for. Here's what they're worth, and th- I can feel good about that because th- because. It's okay for my business. It's great for my business. And the people who are buying the ads are getting exactly what I promised them. And they see value in it. So, you know, problem solved. Yeah. And I think what you're saying there, I think the taking the emotion out of it is such a such an important part of this. And I feel like such a one of the things that I struggle with so often is the, it's this feeling of like trying to trying to value things emotionally um, and that that leading me ultimately to a place that was tricky and like a reason i have a sort of a recent example too is this like so i got my m1 you know macbook pro which i love and it's the fastest best computer i've ever had and it's amazing and i love it but it has a tiny little screen and i was sitting there with my like tiny little screen and you know using a a sidecar to an ipad as my like main developer work workspace and you know having worked on a 27 inch uh like imac pro for you know years it's like it was cramped. It's like I did it, kept doing it because it it was, you know, it was the fastest, best, like, you know, head and head and shoulders, the best place for me to work. But it's like it was cramped. And I was just like making this, making this, making do, making do. And it's like I didn't want to get any of the other monitors for it because like there's it's like I either had like the bad monitors, which, you know, this is a perennial <laughs> topic in ATP, yes. all the bad topics. I'm familiar with monitors. this dilemma. It's like, yes. Yeah. It's like, or you get the XDR. And um, it's like, I looked at the XDR and it's like, I think it was an entirely emotional decision. I'm like essentially saying, it's like, I'm not worth an XDR is, is, is like ultimately when I came down to it, so I'm looking at this, this monitor and I'm like, Oh, that's expensive. I don't know if I'm worth that. And it's this very kind of emotional kind of, uh, 
sort of calculus. And then ultimately, well, I'm speaking to you now sitting in front of an XDR. I've had one for a couple of weeks and it is tremendous. I have zero regrets about it. And I like am so happy that I did it. And ultimately, and part of, it's like you helped me push, uh, push me towards this. But ultimately, I think the thing that helped me the most was having this slight shift in my thinking where it was the sense of it's like, if I was a business that had one employee who is responsible for all the development, all the design, all the business management of that business. And all of the income. All of the income. (laughs) Like this one developer, the entire business rests on his shoulders. And he came to, came into my office. Like I'm just like Mr. Owner Man sitting there with my monocle. And he says like, (laughs) I have this, you know, $6,000 thing that I think would make me significantly more productive. Can I buy it? It's like if I'm Mr. Monocle Man sitting in the business chair and I would say no, like I would be a fool. I would be a complete idiot. Like what, why would, how would, how would I have earned my monocle if that's what I had been doing? It's like, it just wouldn't make sense. It's like, no, he's like, you are absolutely worth this. The business ne- like needs you to be as productive, as effective as possible. And the cost of that is in some ways sort of, sort of immaterial. Like don't get crazy, don't get silly. But if there's a, a tangible, honest, real thing that can improve your productivity and make you better at doing the thing that is the core business of what you do, like do it and don't do it. Not only be, it's like if the only, if the best reason you have is this vague sense of like, well, you're not worth it or it's too expensive. Like it's very emotional and very sort of judgment based that like, no, don't do that. Like that's in, the, in my mind. It's like now I'm starting to think of it as like, no, 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 like, that's the if i treat my business as a hobby then yeah that's the right thing like if this is a side project and you know i have a side hobby and i want to buy six thousand dollars worth of equipment for my side hobby it's like maybe that's that's a bit of a hot that's not really a hobby at that point man but like no this is my business this is what i should be doing and um it's you know all the better for it i think having kind of trying to gradually flip that switch in my brain oh yeah and and that's i've i've faced the same dilemma so many times i've waffled on podcasts endlessly about it because i still think like the independent person i still think like the kid from ohio who grew up without that much money like i still think like that at a, at a large level and so it's it's hard for me to make that decision like you said about like yeah if this increases my productivity 10 percent, it's worth it <laughs> you know? and and the reality is like yeah sometimes that's the right decision anyway thank you for listening everybody i mean we'll talk to you in two weeks bye